personally one of my favorite recordings we've ever done that was really great we had the pleasure of sitting down hanging out and sipping with one of our great friends that we've known for as long as we've lived here and i'm really excited for you guys to hear it i hope everyone's having a great week and we are so excited to share this episode with you today we had a lovely opportunity to sit down with yeah one of our great friends that we met when we first moved here in 2012 Dalton Kita aka Lucid Vision He's an amazing artist involved in the electronic music scene. He is a Colorado native. He also attended college here in Denver for music. And we got to chat about his whole journey with school, how he got involved into being an actual artist and how he was inspired, what artists inspired him to be an artist and all of those wonderful things in our episode today. Yes, today's episode was brought to you by some delicious blackberry mint G&Ts suggested by the homie. Shout out to Taijay if you're listening. Taijay, we heart you. Thank you. Those drinks were so, so delicious. Very delicious. And yeah, we hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll see you guys soon. See you guys soon. Thank you for tuning in and we love you so much. We love you. Bye. Uh, you are tuning in to the transmission of the very first lucid vision podcast appearance and it's an honor to be here with one cute drink and it's just very cute and very special we love you this is very special yeah okay well let me just have one cute sip thanks for having me welcome in coming to you live and smooth from melanstein's Apartment. Home studio. Home studio. Home studio. <laughs> here we are. No, it really is a pleasure to be here. And yeah, we actually did. Uh, we just went shopping without a mask on. It was. Y'all are It wild. was a rush. It was a. I sat in the car rush. and drank gin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, long story short, we were getting ready to record. We had a nice hour hangout together to warm up our vocals, just catch up with each other. Then, of course, as we go to record, I swear the universe just really wants to test Christine and I to make sure we really want to do this podcasting because For we'll go real. a few episodes with no issues, no curveballs. Then today, one of the most excited we've been to record in a minute, of course, there's a curveball, and the Zoom interface said, I forget what it said. No like. data or something no like data. that. No data. No, it said card protected. Who's oh, yeah. Nobody seems <sighs> protected in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that always how it goes? Of course. So, okay. we a quick trip to the micro center. We got there so quick. Mel left turned on a red light like a fucking gangster. <laughs> Off the record. You can't use that in a court of law, can you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, hold on. It's like, True. Not only that, but we also went shopping without a mask on, and we showed up, and this lady is, like, full <laughs> in scrub uniform, like... 
extra mask, sanitizer, literally wearing a scrub uniform, and there's a security guard, and then they're like, hey, you guys want masks? And Y'all so said casually, no. <laughs> I followed Dalton's lead. He was so confident. So here's the thing for any listeners out there. The, if, you don't, if you didn't know, you actually, they, by law, cannot deny you service, and you just have to state that you have a medical reason for not wearing a mask and um it's all gravy same thing kind of uh similarly with a service dog you actually cannot request any proof of paperwork of the service dog yeah if they just say that it's a service dog then you have to like let it ride so same thing you can't ask like what's the service don't get me wrong i i think you know wearing the mask i'm fine with it just as far as a respect thing that's wild especially fucking free balling in the micro center (laughs) and we were in such a hurry christine and dalton both were like oh fuck we don't have our masks i was like oh i have one i'll just go in by myself really quick and dalton was just ready to ride he's like no i'm going in i'll just say exactly what you just said people can say and i followed your lead because i kind of felt bad if you didn't have one on I was like, well, I won't wear one with you. And I had so much confidence walking in. I was not expecting the hazmat girl and the security guard. Oh right there, so they kind of threw me off my game. But luckily, you stepped in. But then she was holding a spray bottle towards our bodies while we were explaining what we were doing. And then before we walked away, I wasn't even trying to be a smartass. I just think I blacked out. And I asked her if she needed to spray us. And then I walked away. It's like, what is that even? <laughs> it was what? a scene. What are happening? <laughs> it was a scene for sure. Not I'm only so that. Happy the cars were right there. Well, and then I was, like, I just like conveniently looked out the window at the exact moment you guys walked out, and you both just high fived each other. I know. Dalton was proud of the moment. <laughs> not <laughs> only, it was just such a scene. Like, not only did she have the full on suit, but she had the sanitization station. The security guard was there to accompany her. Just everything it was intimidating it sounds intense because like (laughs) that got us to our point now where we're at least officially able to record today yeah and we're here and we have been friends for almost 10 years almost a decade you guys feels like a lifetime does it not it does does because (laughs) dalton you were definitely one of our first friends we made when we moved here and I don't think you know this, but Christine and I, she'll remember, we have a really great girlfriend back home. We haven't seen her in years. She was somebody we hung out with kind of, I mean, I don't know. It was very sporadic, but a lot of times maybe during our little hippie phase, I would say, we kind of had a phase where, I don't know, we hung out with the kids who dabbled in the weed more often, peace and love. And her and you, I don't, I don't think it's her name, I guess, I don't know, but... You guys are the same, but she is her, and you are you. And when we met you, we were like, this is yes. the male version of this girlfriend. <laughs> we talked about that. I get like, that a right lot, actually. <laughs> but, that's a, but that's a good thing, though. Yeah, like, we love your vibes. Yes. And it's kind of interesting because even though we are, like, so far into our lives already, but, like, I think we all met at a crucial point in our mm-hmm. lives, whereas, like, we were between the ages of 19 and 21, so, like, we were just figuring out life, who we are. Oh, you used to, like, ride a cute scooter to work. It was <laughs> super cute. We saw him riding in the rain. Yeah. <laughs> it was a little too cute. Especially when girls were just laughing at me the whole way. We were. Okay. We were. <laughs> I like the rain anyways. I don't... <laughs> 
Well, you were like a block away from work, so like you're already you were already to your destination. Wait, you can't fit my scooter in the trunk. <laughs> we did. I'm just kidding. It we did good. contemplate rolling down the window, being like, "Doll, do you need a ride?" Because <laughs> we can't give that to you, so keep up the good work. Oh. <laughs> hey, do you need a ride? Because sorry, dude. Later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were all going to work at the same time. Christine and I are driving in her car. And at the time, you had that big-ass SUV. Yeah. So I totally just... could have fit your scooter in the car. Is that... Well, I didn't see you guys, but obviously you saw me, so... I was squinting. I could things. barely see anything. Ten years later. Oh, my God. I know why. I love that scooter. Yeah, that shit was yeah. Fun. <laughs> Of course. And then it got stolen. <laughs> From the tavern while you were working, right? No. Oh, really? It was from my house. Dude, my plates got stolen at the tavern one time. I remember I was, like, looking out the window upstairs. Wait, and I, what? Who steals license plates? I guess while what? you were at work? Yeah, and I remember I just, like, it was right when we opened, and I was on the patio, and I just looked over, and I was like, what the fuck? And that my seems, plates were gone. Just fucking gone. Just that seems like a premeditated crime for... The next crime, so right. that they can cover their tracks. And- well, people were saying that they use, they steal plates to put on cars that were stolen. That way, exactly. they're like registered. Yeah. <laughs> I think that it would be so fun if we touched on how we all first met, yes. which were the great old days of the Tavern Tech Center up in here in the DTC. 2012, baby. 2012. What a glorious time, kind of. Doll, what was that year like for you? Confusing. I honestly, okay, I do remember, do you guys remember, um, like, the moment you met? Because I just know that, I just remember I we all used to work together, but, like, I don't remember the moment where I was like, hello, and you're like, hello. I have, a, I don't remember maybe the first time we said hello, but I have a very significant first memory of Dalton at the tavern, where you were busting tables, but you would love to hang out at the host stand. And Christine and I were servers, but we would come up at the host stand just to check how like rotation was going, whatever, whatever. And you were standing up there one day, and you kept kind of chiming in after the host would talk to a guest. Excellent. Excellent. I knew you were going to bring that up. Yeah, that's like my first significant memory of you working there. Excellent. <laughs> Honestly, yes. And you were probably a little stony baloney, and Billy always knew that you'd be smoking the devil's lettuce. I did not go to that place sober. Let's put it that way. Absolutely not. Wait, you were like, it's you were 19, floating around. Well, so I started there as a host. Excellent. That was my introduction to the serving industry to, you know, support my, uh, my bills, to pay my bills while uh, pursuing the music career. Or a lack of career <laughs> back then. Back then. Wait, <laughs> the beginning of it. it. You were definitely already involved when we first met you because another beautiful memory. This is when we would still pop CDs into our car. Yes. You, you gave us your... What's that? A CD? Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> if you will. So retro. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> you burnt me a CD of your music. And I will never forget, my favorite song was called The Stream. Yes. Had a little bit of a Madonna sample. That one needs to be brought back. You should remix your own music. People do it. Like from the first round, it's like The Stream 2.0. 
It, it's a good idea. It's just tough with some of the older stuff because the sound quality, each layer, you'd have to like, mm. at that point you're reconstructing every single layer. So it's almost easier just to start from scratch at that point. The, the name of that song actually came from because we used to always be like, tap in dude tap tap into the stream dude just just channel it just just tap in wait so the stream, <laughs> is the stream what like the sound waves of a song i mean the stream just being like the stream of the, life the uh the channel from source whatever okay. it is oh. energetically oh. Oh. Uh, I like or like information wise or whatever <laughs> that's special. I like the stream that. is just the conduit of the like whatever that's being channeled. Well, we, I think we're both in support of you bringing that track back, remixing it, whatever you need to do. But I honestly still really appreciate the original. Sounds cute. That was one yeah. cute track. God, I remember. God, okay, do you guys remember when um, everyone thought 2012 was like the end of the world because like that's when the Mayan calendar ended? But it's like they probably just got fucking tired of making calendars. Let's be honest, we've been waiting for a long time for the end of the world. <laughs> this could be it, y'all. Take us now. 2020. Just Seems kidding. like it. it's really coming around the bend here. <laughs> Seems fitting almost. Tell us how you came up with Lucid Vision. All right, let's get into this. I mean, I we're already into it. No, we're in. We're in. <laughs> this is a great start. This is a fun episode. So far, so good. <laughs> Yeah, well, I guess I'll start off by saying, you know, my name's Lucid Vision, Dalton Keita. I compose music, electronic music. Uh, I've studied it going on 10 years. It's just like such a story to encompass. Sometimes it's tough to say it just because like, you know, it seems like, like, I don't know, maybe people already know it, but it's just a long story, I guess. But let's actually start. The reason why I have that scooter and when I went to the tavern was because in high school, I actually sold my car to buy my music equipment because uh, I think we've talked about this before, but I got to the point where, you know, I was an avid music listener. I wrote reviews on concerts for my school newspaper. I wrote articles on concerts and I got to the point where... I was just so infatuated. I it was like an obsession. I had to do it. I literally got to the point where like I couldn't live my life any longer without trying to pursue music, knowing that it was my dream. To not pursue it felt like a disservice. I love that. <laughs> I love so, that you said that. What's your calling when you feel? I've heard somebody else say that that is super in love with their career. When you know that that is your calling and if you are keeping it to yourself because you're almost too afraid or think, like, who am I to do this? You're actually doing a disservice to other people by not putting it out. Yeah, like, can you imagine? I've seen, sorry to, like, interject on on the story of your name, of what, like, how you came up with your name. But, like, I look at the things that you've posted where, like, people have done, like, workout classes. I saw that a girl did, like, a cycling class to one of your tracks and, like... That's so dope. And then I saw another video you posted of two girls just, like, hooping in the trees in the forest, like, with their friend, just, like, vibing the fuck out. And it's, like, I think that you touch more people with your music than you think. A lot of people may not, like, post it to social media, but it's, like, someone or multiple people out there are, like, dude, Lucid Vision changed my life. Like, his music resonates with me so much. 
that's inspiring to think about. I think that last, like, I don't know about all that. <laughs> you never know. You never know. You never know. You touch people in a really special way. I do think but... it's an inspiring thought that, like, for every one person that actually uh, feels motivated enough to post about the song, like, they like the song enough that they're going to post about it on social media. Mm-hmm. I think that there's ten people that like it who didn't post about it. For every one person that actually felt motivated enough to share it publicly, mm-hmm. there's probably ten people that still liked it, but just didn't didn't share it. So it is it is an interesting thought, you know. And yeah, because like you said, just because you don't see everyone liking it, that doesn't mean there's not people out there liking it. Yeah, you know. So yeah, like getting back to the origin of the name and the motivation behind creating this music project, I really wanted a name that encapsulated the intention of the project. I really appreciate and value names that just define what the purpose of it is. And that's why, like, throughout time, through, like, the selling of the car and, like, the being inspired, even, like, the the moment that you make the choice to pursue it, I was just like, every step of this is a movement towards this vision to create something, to manifest something. So lucid vision for me basically is a synonym of a dream manifested. So a vision being the dream and controlling that or manifesting it in a lucid state. So making it a reality, you know here in reality, attainable, flowing in a vivid, lucid state. Let's just call it that. Mm -hmm. And so every step of this project has, speaks of manifesting this dream. Every time I put energy into it, or I make that track, or, you know, I think about the goals that I have. Lucid vision is the, the reasoning for that, too, to manifest this dream and back to feeling like not pursuing it is a disservice because for me to actualize my own dream inspires people to actualize their dreams just like how music inspired me to chase my dream when I look up to the greats like Pretty Lights, Bass Nectar, Odessa, Jimi Hendrix, Alan Raymond, whoever it is, whether how like old or young or whatever, you know, the, the greats in music, when they inspire you enough to chase and pursue your dream, my dream, then for me to embody that, to also inspire others to do the same. And that's kind of where that came from is to, yeah, manifest a dream. You're so cool. <laughs> you really are dreamy like yeah whoa take me for a ride do you feel when you think back on it obviously music has been a part of your life for i don't know if it's been a part of your life for your whole life or most of your life but is there a moment that you can think of where it was kind of a pivotal moment where you were like okay this is actually what i want to do or how you just mentioned pretty lights bass nectar odessa were one of those artists, somebody who inspired you to finally go after it? Yeah, you know, there was there was several moments, but, I mean, there's constantly been walls. Um, there's one moment that stands out to me 
so much, though. I mean, the first one that I already mentioned was actually selling my car to buy the music equipment. That is, I feel that's a story... I don't know. That's when you know. I committed balls say, deep. That's when you fucking know. It's like, I'm willing to give up my mode of transportation right. to pursue something that I This was senior love. year of high it's school. You know, like oh parties, God. girls. All my friends thought I was crazy. And like, let's be honest, the first couple of years, like, your music sucks. Like, everyone sucks at first. I think that's with everything. Like, everything. Ex- everything. Any, anything and, like, <laughs> even knowing that, though, it's like, oh, I, I just sold my car for, like, the reward that's going to be, like, four years down the road. Yes. <laughs> well, and I think people forget <laughs> that. I think people forget that it's like, dude, shit takes time. And I think you are so far beyond your years where, like, yes, in high school, people are like, yeah, we think he's crazy. Like, what? Like, cars, girls, like, <laughs> fucking ragers. Party, but you're like, no, fucking music. Music, my guy. And exactly. and then now, look, it's like you are living, in a sense, like, living your dream. You get to pursue music, and you have, like, a solid following. But you didn't think that, like, when you graduated high school, like, when you were senior, you're like, I'm just going to fucking do Thank it. You. It's coming along. I think that if I looked at where I was at now, I would think that... I've made it, but where I'm at now, I look at, uh, I don't know. It's just, a, it's just like another chapter. I'm still small compared to the big guys. Let's just put it that way. For now. <laughs> and it is hard, I think, for anything you do in life. It's hard when you are right now here sitting in this moment. Any, any of the things that any of us have done, you really do have to sometimes sit down with yourself and reflect back to how far you have come. Because when, you, when you're shooting for such beautiful and like high dreams for yourself it can feel like you haven't done anything yet because you're not where you see yourself being from the stream till now (laughs) you know what I mean and same with Christine and I from when we first moved here to Denver that year too it is a moment where you have to kind of sit down with yourself and congratulate yourself a little bit on the successes you've had because Mm -hmm. I think that we're all like that in a little bit where it's like, oh, but I'm not where I actually want to be yet or where I see myself being. So you forget how far you've actually already came. Very true. I think that you don't get the big successes without appreciating the small ones along the way. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, like, if you're only doing it for the big ones, then, like... It's just you know, right, like, like it's like the journey, you know. It's like all these small, great but small moments have led up to ultimately a great big moment. Like, yeah. So let's bring it back to your question about like when was the moment that I just knew? Yes. And I like, there's know. one that I think of specifically, and like it's so inspiring to me still to this day. And that is that because I studied music theory, I was in AP music theory in high school, which is the college credit, and. You know, it's like a different language. It really is. And for someone who, like, if you experience it at the beginning of your life, it's a little bit more attainable. But to re-sync your brain up with it, you really have to learn it a different way. And partly because uh, the mathematics are in groupings of uh, seven or eight. Well, really eight being the octave um, in regards to melody. And then um, depending on the time signature, Four, four, groupings of four, or six, eight, so groupings of six. I'm lost. When, when <laughs> it's in timing, but our standard units of mathematics are by tens, like ten and then the pattern repeats. Okay. You know, okay. like ten, eleven, twelve, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two. So like, you know, with music, like I said, with melody, like eight is where the pattern repeats. Mm. This um, might be a silly question, but 
this is that why I mean you've probably never taken dance class but Christine and I did when we were younger and you would do your dance routine in an eight count is that why because of it matches up with Oh. So the dance would be to, exactly, and that's more rhythm. So the 4 4, you're doing also the half notes of that, which would be like the faster time signature than 4 4. So with 8, you know, 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and 8 counts there. 5, 6, 7, 8, and 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, and 1. I feel like that we're in a jazz-precise class now. We are. But so when I first was doing music theory, I'm telling you, I could not get it. I just could not get it. I kept failing, and I had to go in on my off periods, and I knew that I was going to fail. Like, I kept – I just could not get it for some reason. And, like, I had straight A's all throughout, like, grade school, middle school, like, the beginning half of high school. (laughs) But all of a sudden, I just encountered this thing that was so tough for me. And then yet again, after another test, I remember I got, it was like a C minus or something. I really needed an A to like level out the playing field. And I remember walking down the hallway after this test, after I got the grade back from the test, thinking to myself, and I was so full of emotion, like partly frustration, partly crying Like, so frustrated, so sad. I remember walking down the hallway, hundreds of kids walking by me, crying, thinking, if I can't pass Music Theory 1, how am I ever going to manifest this dream to make this vision lucid? How am I ever going to be as good as Pretty Lights Mm -hmm. or Bass Nectar? How am I going to headline Red Rocks if I can't figure this out now? And this was your senior year of high school? Yeah. And And then my next thought was, you know what? I'm doing this my whole life anyway, so fuck it. I'm going to keep going. I was like, this is just what I'm doing for the rest of my life. So I'm figuring it out. And then I started going in on off periods, and I really started studying. I took one-on-one training with the professor, and then I got a four on the AP test. And when you get a four or five, it waves your first semester grade. Oh, dope. Because I got – it was either like a C (laughs) minus or like a D on – the first semester. Yeah. So, like, I literally needed... It all came down to this that final test. test. And then you got it, so and then everything it. was waived. Yes. And then I got the credit, and then I got into music business school at CU Denver. Oh, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> I think that's I feel like that, too... I was all banking on it. I feel like that, too, though, kind of just, like, proves the fact of, like, not everything comes easy. Like, you have to fucking work for it. And you just realize you're like, if I'm doing this for the rest of my life, if I don't do it, I'm, I'm still going to continue to do it because I need to do it. And well, then you also, did it. Yeah, exactly. And it also poses like the idea that the most valuable things are the ones that you have to work hard for mm-hmm. rather than things that are handed to you. Yes. One of the surprising things about your story that you were just talking about is that you were in high school taking those classes. And I'm thinking back to when Christine and I were in high school in Montana. I don't even think that was an option for... I mean, I'm sure there was. We just weren't music kids. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there was a lot of AP classes at Cherry Creek that you get the college It was called Music Theory. AP Music Theory, yeah. Advanced Mm -hmm. Placement Music Theory. I would like to know if that's a thing 
Montana yeah. High School. It was technically was Music Theory nice. One, and I've gone through Music Theory Four throughout college, Jazz Theory all the way. I've done I've done all the Music Theory classes so possible. Are you familiar with Jazzercise? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll engage in a little jazz on occasion. <laughs> we love a we love a good jazz moment. Yeah. I mean, uh, so actually, like, Bass Nectar and Glitch Mob were the my first uh, experience with electronic music. Mm-hmm. Um, I had heard a little bit of Infected Mushroom, but before that, I just always thought electronic music was, like, techno. Right, right. yeah, from Just 90s. always what I thought. Yeah. Wait, did you, when you were growing up in the 90s, did you know La Bouche? La da da dee da 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 da. I feel like I should. That sounds Dude, hot. Okay. I'm gonna play it for you after. I'll say, not that it matters, but La Bouche, I feel like for me, definitely was the first intro to that kind of music I had. And I was honestly only six or seven years old. And I listened to this radio station in Montana called Hot 1017 at the time, but they would stream in a different radio channel from Los Angeles. And they would play on the weekends. On the weekends, they would play all that kind of music, and I loved it. Yes. Oh hell yeah! Amber, the real McCoy. Yes. Um, I think my first like I loved listening to that stuff because my parents were super into like techno. Yes. But my first like introduction to like harder stuff was when we it was our first year of college, and Mal played me this remix of Ellie Goulding's songs. It was like a Jackwab remix, and I was like. Horde. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first time. Let's turn up. Yeah. yeah. Goldie 2.0. <laughs> These kids from Seattle showed me those remixes, and that's really, I think, from mm-hmm. there when you and I started getting involved in it, which would have been around the time Dalton was finishing high school out here, and you were ready ahead of us listening to Pretty Lights and Bass Nectar. I think the first time I really heard it was uh, my sophomore year, so that would be more like 2009. Damn. Maybe yeah. even But that was us year. too, like 2009. Well, little, 2009, you and I were Lil Wayne, Till We Die. Oh, I still am, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Girl, live your truth. <laughs> he just put out that new uh, remastered version of the No Ceilings mixtape. I know. Yeah, I, we did. just talked about this. God damn, that's great. He, like, updated the kiss on Kobe Bryant because obviously... With the passing, he like update. He like he either added a new verse or updated the verse. Remember when he dropped that like rock album? Oh my god, that yeah. was a, that was kind of weird. Wayne? Yeah. Do you remember? Like, you and I saw Wayne five times in concert. Maybe I don't know him. That no, well, I think actually. like eight. We were obsessed. Obsessed. We would travel. Well, because in Montana we don't get shows. <laughs> I listened to punk rock before I got into electronic music. Like some good Charlotte. That I'm is not so, punk rock, Mal. I'm so... <laughs> that's not... That's, that's so pop. hardcore. You know what, though? Okay, you know who I've actually been getting into recently? MGK. I'm like... Nice I have, I have and, a lot um, of his songs, and I'm like, damn, like I actually fuck with your music. And Yellowwood... I gotta explore that a little more. He kind of has this, a similar vibe. Wow, whatever happened to him? He he has a recent song, or at least it was recent on my Spotify that they recommended. Anyway. Too bad those guys that come and go. I know. It's like, don't you want to like have longevity when it comes to your music career? Right. Yeah. Whatever happened to Bass Nectar, dude? I haven't seen him in a while. Dang. I think he's in oh, hiding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Okay. Honestly, let's just jump right into it because I think let's do it. A lot of so I have like a solid group of friends that. I work with that are also into electronic music. And I remember right when that like shit dropped, 
that's all we talked about like the entire day. I was like, yo, did you watch this video? Did you catch this? There was like a whole ass Instagram dedicated to it, like evidence against base nectar. But there was also ones like evidence against space Jesus. Yeah, with the whole base nectar thing, it's something I haven't even been open about on my own Instagram page where I feel that sometimes maybe I should because he is somebody who is very significant in my life and his music and his shows and what they've done for me but it is something that's really hard to talk about and it is kind of an emotional topic Mm -hmm. I mean when when I first heard of the news I think it had already been traveling before I really really heard it because I think you told me Dalton that you had been following all these Twitter accounts or the news or whatever for days before I think I even had heard about it and I remember on June June 26, that's when the All Colors album came out. Mm-hmm. And that's his most recent album. And I'm obsessed with it. And I thought it was such a cool album for him to do because it felt very different from anything else he put out. There was a lot of reggae involved, which to me, I feel like that's something Bass Nectar hasn't really ever dabbled into that much, at least from what I've heard, especially on an album. So I really liked that there was such a variety of different tracks and I was obsessed with it. And then literally a week later on July 3rd is when I saw that account with evidence against Bass Nectar and when it, or, and also maybe that was the day Bass Nectar made that post where he actually said something about everything going mm-hmm. on. And it was just such a wave of emotions from him coming out with that album and again making me fall in love with the music even more after hearing all the songs then a week later it was just really hard to wrap my mind around honestly well i do think as you know music fans or let's say electronic music fans and creators in this scene it's definitely a topic that uh you know affects affects us all just him of such stature uh being somewhat of a ringleader in this scene um it's it's an event that does have an effect on you know um everyone that's in the scene whether or not you're a fan or a creator and i think that it was it was a a tough uh, event to see go down just because uh him and his his team the bass nectar team they have done such great things through and through and really set the bar high for a lot of musicians in the scene, whether electronic or not, through his dollar per bass head initiative and his nonprofit Be Interactive and the the different purposes that they would channel their funding through, whether it would be mental health or, you know, providing food or clothing for the surrounding areas. Um, I went to the Grand Rapids show over Halloween in 2019 in Michigan. They did a dollar per base head. So every ticket that was sold, they donated a dollar, which went through his nonprofit. If I remember right, I think it was like 9,000 sellable tickets in that venue um, for every night. And it was all three nights of the weekend. Damn. So, you so know, every night. Yeah. Damn. You know, nine times three, yeah. 27, like that's $27,000 in one weekend Yeah. for charity that him and his team were able to conjure through the power of music. And that's inspiring. Yeah. It doesn't validate any of the negatives. I just feel that the negatives don't take away from the, the great things that him and his team have done. Yeah. I think uh, yeah. it's, it's hard to kind of like, 
I think everyone deals with their internal struggles and demons, if you will. And it's, yes, the things that had happened aren't things that we would support. But at the same time, he has done great things. And so, like you said, like you can't take the bad things that he did and take away from the good things that he did. So we love Bass Nectar's music, but then it's like Lauren as a human, you know, he's made some very questionable decisions in his life. It kind of makes me wonder, like, if he was dealing with some stuff internally, like, um, let's just say, like, growing up, he maybe he wasn't, like, the most cool, like, the most popular kid in school, didn't really get a lot of attention. So then as he got older and he became more of this, like, quote-unquote god to the scene, um, he was getting attention of these girls that were younger, but his younger self didn't get that attention. So because of that, maybe even though he was significantly older, the attention of these younger girls kind of like fulfilled a void in himself that he needed, but he didn't get till later in life. And it's like, well, I mean, it's not right. It's I think like, snowballing yeah, off that, that, yeah, Mel? I was just going to say, I think that's a really great point to make. And I think that shows who you are, Christine, as a person. (laughs) (laughs) Just where you try to think of things on a way deeper level where sometimes people just take very surface things that happen and like they just, that's overall who they are as a person. And thinking back on his whole life, how did he get to that point where he made questionable decisions and girls have spoken out that felt they were mistreated by him and also, yeah, the understanding of different levels of things that you can do when it comes to mistreating a person and none of it is ever right. But I think that was something I really took away from the video that Ill Gates put out on YouTube where he talked about there are different levels to that. And of course, it doesn't ever take away to any bad thing that you do to somebody or to yourself, but it is important to understand Well, yeah, and I think the idea that Steen was also bringing up is that, like, we just have no, you know, background information of the reasoning for uh, Mm -hmm. his actions. I think every musician, in a way, has, like, setbacks. I mean, of course, the quote that it's very lonely at the top. I mean, they're traveling nonstop. He's done that. He spent 20 years building this empire, working nonstop, traveling different cities every night. I mean, like, there's it's it's a tough lifestyle, and yeah. that doesn't that doesn't uh, validate or make it okay. But I think that with some of the base nectar stuff, uh, well, like I, I think what I was gonna say also is that like I'm not sure if whether like he made his decision too soon on dropping out. I'm not sure if he'll be back at some point. Um, but I do think that I felt like he was just, like, a little bit fed up of, like, you guys are just all coming at me. Like, I'm out. And it doesn't mean that, like, he didn't do things that were illegal. And whether legality defines morality is, like, a whole nother topic. Mm-hmm. And that kind of makes you wonder, too. It's like, you know, like, let's say in the future, like, your career progresses and then you reach a point where it's like, okay, well... <clears throat> I am a highly successful artist. People follow me. They love me. And then it's kind of like at that point, you have so many followers that they're watching your every step and move. Like, we all fuck up. I'll admit, I, I'll i see statuses. Like, I'll have, like, these memories pop up on Facebook. And it's like, 
shit that I said in 2009. And I'm like, this is so can't embarrassing. I said that. Yeah, I can't believe I said that. And I delete it because I'm like, because now that Mal and I want to progress with this podcast, even though it was 10 years ago, someone could dig that up and they're like, Steen's this yeah. because she said this. And it was in 2009, but it's like, and then the internet's quick to be like, well, she's fucking canceled. You're out, bitch. But it's like, you, yes. people make mistakes. And like, we grow and we learn and, Mistakes are how we learn. You literally have to make mistakes to learn. Yeah. And I think in, like, how you said, like, he just kind of, like, dipped off the face of the earth. It's like, I mean, he definitely could have responded in a more mature way. He could have just said, hey, I realize what I did. I'm owning up to it. We make mistakes. Obviously, he, like, ran away, which is fine if that's what you want to do. But well. I think the next thing we want to talk about a little bit to touch on was, like, cancel culture. But it is just really interesting with, like, the base nectar stuff because, like, it's just this empire that he had built up. Like, talk about a house of cards. It came down in two weeks, dude. Like, this, this yeah. thing he's been working out years. for 20 week years. later after his most recent album release and the week later. Yeah, like, like a cut. full team of people supporting him. Like, headlined Electric Forest 10 years in a row or, like, at least played it that many years. It was just, it was just insane. I think that that in a time of loss and mourning for the, you know, the music community, it's just very tough because I feel like within cancel culture, there's a thin line between disengaging with someone's art and then bullying the followers of that person's art who had no responsibility or no inside information on what that artist was doing. Mm-hmm. And I, I like I, there was just a lot going around on the internet of, oh, I feel bad for anyone who's a Bass Nectar fan right now. Like, why? Because they literally had nothing to do with what this guy did? Like, why? Like, just so explain to me. Or, like, sucks to have a Bass Nectar tattoo right now. Why? Because you're trying to belittle people for believing in an artist that they had no inside information about? Like, for me, just tell me how that's different than bullying. I really do feel that. I really loved your perspective on that right now and at the very beginning of all of this, too, especially when it comes to the base actor tattoo. For those of you who don't know, I have one. And to me, I've never looked at the tattoo with the base drop and looked at it and thought of Lauren himself as a person. To me, Bass Nectar, the music itself and the mm-hmm. shows. And the culture. And, and- yes. All of those things and what it's done for my life personally is what I think of. Sure, he's the one behind the music, but... And I know some people might disagree, but I do think there is a way that you can disconnect the physical person from the art itself. And that might be... That might sound like a little hypocritical just because he is somebody, I guess, who's created some of the music I've loved the most in my life. And if it were somebody else who I didn't really care about, I might feel differently. But at the same time, it is, if I'm being completely honest, I I don't think I can just drop the music as a whole. I don't think I've listened to it as much, I will say, this summer than I normally would. But I definitely still put it on. He has very... There's very significant songs that I will go to in a certain time in my life just because I need to hear it in that moment. And when I put it on, I don't think of him. I think I just am thinking of how the way the song makes me feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's a whole team of people that helps uh, create the platform for him to share from or like the music to be uh, expressed through. It's it's not just him. And it also does post the question or the idea that like, how you mentioned uh, whether there's separation 
um, between the art and the artist. Um, I think that there's a lot of like vague gray lines in there. Um, at some point, like, does supporting the art also support the actions of the person? And mm. like, how is yeah. that expressed? Whether it's not, whether it's through like continuing to give them money or not. But I think that there definitely is, to a degree, a level of separation between the art and the artist. Yeah. Well, let's up these vibes, shall we? Yeah. Cheers, ladies. Cheers! And mouse off with a shingle like, hey, say hey. Shingle like, say hey. Yo, there's something there. I Shindle. like that. You should remix that. I think there's a sample there. Okay, one last thing I'll t- I will ask you is obviously with the year being the year that it has been, you haven't been performing as much. And do you think that this was a time for you? Do you think that it was like a setback or do you think this has given you more time to like hone in and focus on your music? Or do you feel more inspired or do you feel less inspired? Or I know you performed last night, which was so wonderful. Yes, I want to hear about that. I'm sorry we couldn't be there, but please... Tell us all the things. I think you guys have been to all the other ones, so thank you so much. Love you lots, love you lots. <laughs> XO. Uh, X's and O's. And I think that's a great question. Also, uh, definitely, you know, as time has gone on, the feeling has kind of evolved. I think at the beginning, I was really powering through making a bunch of music, just being obsessed, making so much music, which is the best. That's when you just flow, making, like, I don't know, the more you do it, the, the easier it is to mm-hmm. do it. Um, right? 10,000 hours, right, Steen? You're professional. You feel me, girl? I feel you. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, like, the first, like, couple months, I was making so much music, dude. I was crushing it. The first months it. of quarantine? Yeah, of quarantine. Okay. Well, yeah, so there's positives, positives and negatives. I think that because artists aren't traveling right now, there's actually some unseen opportunity for musicians to collaborate and work together because these larger musicians who wouldn't have the time to sit down and work with you uh, all of a sudden aren't aren't traveling anymore. Mm -hmm. So everyone's at home. They actually have time to work on things. So it also is a very special window of time right now to do that. And I have acquired, I've acquired like several collaborations with artists I look up to couple of them have already been released uh just last week i put out the track with maddie o'neill fire i was on her remix album flames i was Go get honored for the opportunity and like shout out maddie o'neill that girl is awesome i love working with her she's dude. a i mean i don't know her personally but she's a dope artist a friend of mine actually put me on her and i was like damn and then when you said that you remixed her i was like oh okay full she circle. makes great music and she is just a Pleasure to work with, dude. Like, honestly, she's just so genuine and so kind and actually cares about, like, her openers. I I played some shows with her at the beginning of the year, which will probably be the only, like, real tour of this whole year. It's looking like the only and probably my favorite, even if I was doing other tours this year, I think that one probably still would have been my favorite because we just had a great time. I love that. And like I said, I love working with her, and she's a great person. So that that was awesome to have that opportunity. I also contacted Kevin Donahue of Sun Squabby and got some guitar stems from him um, on a track that will be coming out on my upcoming album. I have also been in touch with Kofresi, the drummer from Chicago, who I have a lot of respect for. He makes some great stuff. If you aren't familiar, he's still up and coming, but he 
has been on the festival circuit the last couple of years and working with big names and just really putting out some great content. I know that he was tracking some drums for the Montez Yahoo album coming up. Damn! Amazing. Oh my goodness. And, uh, and he's also going to be on the Loose Vision album. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> friend that we used to hang out with in high school that we felt had similar vibes to you that was also my stage of like modest yahoo my guy hell yeah Daniel marley all of them modest yahoo Dude. makes some great stuff man king without a crown king always crown. that was such a banger in our high school group at that time yeah so jerusalem that song let me tell you, mm-hmm. that one's just gonna be going. Down. I'm just a cliche classic. One day. Oh, that's a good. I, I love that song, <laughs> that dude. Is a good song. I love that I'm song, to dude. I can listen to all his music. It's honestly been a while, but he has some classic. great tracks. Yeah, Hell yeah. He does. That's fucking dope, Dalton. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, think, I think you don't give yourself enough credit sometimes. I think you've truly accomplished a lot of great things. Uh, and <laughs> that's really fucking cool. Thank, thank you, thank you so much. I think that uh, within this last year and a half, a lot of these uh, things have really started to move. Mm-hmm. Um, all of a sudden, uh, a bit of a threshold was passed, and I feel like people are more willing to work with us. Being the Mile High Sound Movement, I can't come on this podcast without mentioning them. Shout out Mile High Sound Movement. They uh, have believed in my music since way back in the beginning and have helped me grow so much and it's they've been like a family to me and uh, we are a artist collective and record label to an extent uh, and also a bit of a promotion company because we do host shows as well um we do a lot of different things based out of denver colorado the mile high sound movement check them out on social media heck yes brother so how did your show last night go with it being a show that... Like a socially distanced... times, because it was obviously a little different than your normal shows. How did it go? And it was a silent disco, right? Yeah, for the crowd it was, and I, I usually can't stand silent discos, honestly. Um, but, but we did have a monitor on stage so that I could still hear the music in the air, like it's supposed to be. <laughs> I love a silent disco. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and I can't stand a silent disco, honestly, but... <laughs> I've done a couple of them, <laughs> and don't get me wrong, as a consumer in the audience, it can be a great experience. Yeah, maybe, I. yeah, I could see where you as the artist on the other side, it's probably maybe not as enjoyable or... As a consumer, if that's what you want and you know what you're getting yourself into, you like controlling the volume of your headphones and not having it blast you away, and that's okay. what you want to do, then that's awesome. I want to feel that shit yes i want to shake my body yeah (laughs) like you know like hitting me like thumping me while i'm you know grinding with a beautiful woman (laughs) like just just like the pulse of the music the pulse of the bodies just the movements emphasize they emphasize each other oh my goodness i cannot wait for shows again okay okay (laughs) what is your clearly this year we haven't gotten any but well, Most to, luckily, though, I do think of the few that we got to go to at the beginning of the year. Thankful for that. To see you at the beginning of the year, and I was going to say this for later, but I will say your show at the beginning of the year and your show with Witch Mob, which were both at the Ogden Fire. Those are like two of my favorite sets that I've ever seen you do. Those are good ones. Those are good. Well, ones. and Steen, you actually asked the question earlier. What has been some of my favorite sets or like my favorite moments on stage? Right. I think Mel did, but yes. 
Was it well, Mel? We bo- yeah, it was. But we both want to know. Oh, well, you girls yeah. sound the same to me. I just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Close your eyes. Who's talking? I can tell your voices apart. <laughs> Close your eyes. But, but um, yeah, it's and it's interesting because, you know, that has evolved over time when it's like, wow, that was my best one. And then it was like, you know, that then the next one, like, wow, the energy was so good. And it's surprising. Sometimes you show up to the big one, you, you have all these expectations and it's not what you think. And then other times, the small ones, the crowd energy is just, like, through the roof, dude. And, like, mm-hmm. honestly, some of my favorite ones have been the small ones. Like, don't get me wrong. Everyone loves massive Gatherings. audience, people just, you know, everyone yelling. There, There's definitely an energy to the numbers. And you can feel it whether you're on stage or in the audience. There is an energy to, like, a large crowd. I can imagine... I would love to be in your position on the stage, <laughs> looking out at the crowd. Like I don't even, I don't even have to be a performer. But if you need a backup dancer, yeah, here you, we go. You're first in line, dude. We Let's get this shit. Factory in Billings, Montana. When we grew up, if you don't know, so oh, we have jackets. Christine's definitely the better dancer out of the both of us. <laughs> as long as you have ma- matching jackets, then. Sounds we like do. it's a done deal. Oh, we got fucking jackets. No, but it actually is such a high, though. Like, it's a vibe. It really is. There's something about performing that mm-hmm. the energy of the collective, I even, like, completely sober, the the nights of performances, I just am feel so much with energy afterwards. Uh, <laughs> I feel, like, so alive, and it's, like, always tough to fall asleep, or, like, I just sleep isn't even an idea. I'm just so... Alive, dude. Just so alive. Yeah. The Ogden, at the beginning of this year, January 24th, I was direct support for RJD2, and that definitely was one for the books. I mean, just to list a couple others, like, off the top of my head, one I remember so vividly, I was direct support for Manic Focus at the Aggie. I think this was in, like, 2017 or 2016. Crowd energy that night. Amazing. Another time was uh, even, like, both times I played a Rise Music Festival, same thing. The energy was just, there's something about anything you do, the crowd loves. goes nuts. Like, just loves. It's, it's like you can't you. mess up, dude. Yeah. Like, the, it's like you, they like the mess ups even. It's like, because okay. you're always going to mess up. And I bet like, that's cool. It's like, no matter what, they're there and they're supporting you and they're like vibing to your music. So that's got to be pretty fucking cool when you mention and it's it, definitely a collective thing you know when you say like vibing to my music but it, i i feel it's, it's like, like with uh, you yeah like to to amplify it with me to plug in to all connect together mm-hmm. to vibe together when you mention smaller venues and how those can also just give such a, like an exquisite feeling, I think maybe because it's such an intimate crowd, so everybody's a little bit closer. You're in smaller corners. And yeah, the connection is stronger. Those. Yeah, true. Oh, vibrations are high. Hey. I've had shows at smaller venues, like I did one at the Historic Brown, and then there was another one that I did. The Historic Brown being in Breckenridge, and there was another one I did. Uh, in Fort Collins at the Whiskey. And those were two of my small shows where it was just like, it was just a fucking party, dude. Everyone would be like, mm-hmm. I'd be like, what song do you want to hear next? And they'd be like, whatever. Like, they'd yell something at me and I'd respond. Like, it was literally just That's like so navigating the party with like the collective. Yes. And you did, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you do, which I've never been, it was actually on my bucket list for 2020. Joke's on me. But uh, didn't you do Belly Up with Glitch Mob 
And that's a small venue, right? Yeah, yeah. And so that was, uh, I think that was 2018. Okay. Um, uh, which, of course, that and I remember the Glitch Mob saying that that was actually the smallest venue they played on that whole tour. Wow. It's um, pretty inspiring. <laughs> Definitely, uh, that venue's magic. That's one of those venues that I is just so extra special. I was so ready to go there this year. Next year, next year. 22021 is looking bright, looking bright. Oh, I find <laughs> Not only is it small, but it's classy. I'm going like to every show under small, the sun. I'm sorry, what's that? I'm going to every show under the sun in 2021. Yeah, yeah right. I will just drain my bank account. I'm not not going to go to a show. Yeah. Absolutely not. Too tired? <laughs> Wake the fuck up, Steve. Drink some coffee. How many credit cards do I need for that? I'll t- we'll, we'll establish that. <laughs> I'm starting an OnlyFans like for Strictly shows. Credit Me too. Cards. <laughs> yes. You want to collab? <laughs> Going live in five. Those are the accounts I hear that do the best. <laughs> Collaboration? If we, yeah, if we collab on an OnlyFans, shit's over for the rest of those bitches. <laughs> it's fucking over. Talk about a live stream. This, this, this dynamic, <laughs> come on now. Into the stream. That's what it means to tap into. We're tapping into that stream. Yeah, I think also back to, you know, the energy of the crowd. And there's, there is, for me, there's something about the Ogden... That is just so special, man. And uh, not going to lie, there is definitely a characteristic to the sound quality and the sound level and the strength of the speakers. The larger the system, it really does make a difference and just emphasize the power of the the sound. I think that uh, is just so mesmerizing and... uh, meditative in a way and the sound system at the Ogden for me like even in the crowd man it just sounds so good it does it sound good, so good there. was your first time <laughs> at the Ogden that show with Glitch Mob or was it okay yeah that was the first one so I'm sure sold out Mel <laughs> uh, and I got some premium that was actually one of the shows that I went to completely sober that's awesome I was doing like a personal challenge and i just was like i'm not drinking whatever and i had the best fucking time that's actually I was yeah that's say when that was the show when the i started to inception about, of the podcast well just when i started to talk about in music in general before i even started the music with mal instagram page i have screenshots of your show that night and i just kind of described what your set was like elohim and then glitch mob because it was my first time seeing both of them or even knowing about Elohim. And it really was such a great, great, great fucking show. Everything about it, where we were standing, with the people we were standing by. Yeah. The energy that you brought, then her, then hit, like the group of Glitch Mob. The combination was seriously... It could Talk about a better. recipe for success. Yes. I remember you uh, expressed that to me, though, and, like, that's I so really inspiring did. that, like, the, you know, kind of the inception of this podcast was... Was it, correct me if I'm wrong, was it during that show or like that was kind of where, like you said, you started really expressing your opinions about music uh, on a public yeah, platform? I would say maybe not per se for this podcast, but to just start being more vocal about how passionate I am about music and how I feel when I go to shows. And that night really was a show, and maybe it was because her and I, Christina, drink it all. I barely drank it all. I literally was just, like, sticking to water besides that little bit of tequila I had. And that was kind of the night that I first, like, really expressed how I felt about the show. And then from there, I was like, okay, like, let's start sharing more and more and more. And it was from the night that I have. 
And that's why we're so yeah. intertwined and connected. Yes. I love it. <laughs> thankful, <laughs> right, for, girls. thankful for this friendship that we have and we that have we share, yes, truly. Yes, yeah. And back to Lucid Vision to inspire each other mm-hmm. to, you know, pursue our dreams. Yeah. And I think that, like, we've always been so supportive of each other regardless. So I think it's kind of nice that now we can kind of, like, put what we've worked on in a friendship over the last few years out there for the world to kind of like hear our dynamic. And I mean, our obviously special. it really is soup. Tell soup special. <laughs> the soup yeah. special of the day is <laughs> Malstein <laughs> Dalton. <laughs> yeah. No, it honestly, um, I, you know, I'm truly grateful for this friendship and the friendship that, yeah, we've developed over the years, it could have stopped after we all quit working at the tavern. I think Christine and I, Christine had to leave after some unfortunate events. And then I <laughs> left shortly after. And then I think you left, like, shortly after that. But it could our friendship could have stopped then, but our connection was super valuable and special. And Powerful. it is hard to find these kind of connections, I think, in this world. But I think, so I think for us three especially and I hope and think that you guys will agree but for me personally I really can only connect to people that I can feel kind of seen by and heard by and we can get deep it doesn't always have to be deep but if we can if you're somebody that I feel I can only keep it kind of surface with um I will feel very disconnected from you Mm -hmm. and I think that's why when we met you, Dalton, we just kind of had that, like, silly connection, right? Yeah. I think because we love to laugh, and you fucking love to laugh. I yes. That was, That's the uh, thing. It's like, if we can fucking laugh and be weird. Yes, be fucking weird. No judgment. That will get our then hearts. Yes. If I can be weird and we can laugh, and you laugh at what I say, and yeah. I laugh at what you say, it's just something that right away off the bat, my heart will just be like, okay, you're my Friendship. friend. Yes. Let's go. And I think that's something that us three had, like, right from the start. Exactly. Nailed it. I think we, like, brushed on this earlier. You know, one of the things, this has been an ongoing, you know, motto of mine. And that really has taught me not only with the interaction through music, but throughout my own life, all aspects of life, is the appreciation and the respect for the journey and like we were saying, to celebrate the small successes along the way and to choose something and to pursue something that you actually do love the hustle, that you do love the small successes along the way instead of just doing it for that uh, end goal just because, you know, that might be a goal now, but then you, you get there and you spend one moment there. You literally spend one moment at your goal and you're back on the journey And all this is, is a journey. And as I found myself sitting down to make music in the past, um, I haven't felt this as much recently, but in the past I used to just be like, oh, well, like to be, like my goal is to be a successful musician, like a valuable musician. Uh, And to do that, you know, I need to make money with music. And to do that, I need to like generate enough streaming royalties and like, you know, accumulate more fans and all right. So like write the best song you've ever made, go, you got to write the best song you've ever made in order to reach these fans and to grow. So, and if it's not the best song you've ever made, then like, it's not worth anything. Mm -hmm. And that approach is so just destructive 
think that it yeah. kills their their creativity, and no one gets to become an expert or a professional from that mindset. You really get there by experimenting and enjoying the experience of the trial and error of creating, you know, finding your own sound and doing things wrong and, you know, stumbling on, like, whether it's, like, a happy accident. I mean, the grades get to where they are by coining a specific sound, um, especially in, like, the modern time, the modern time grades, whether it's Pretty Lights or Bass Nectar or Odessa or Flume or even Elenium, Glitch Mob even, whoever. Or I want to also say Closey. That's who I was thinking of. They had a sound. Yeah. They coin a sound that then they somewhat lead. You almost create your own genre. Mm -hmm. Or like a subsection of the genre. And you don't get to there by... Just trying to make the best song ever. You get to there by experimenting and and respecting the the journey. So do you think, and you said they get there by experimenting, but then they also might realize, like Closey, for instance, when I think of her, she really does have a specific sound. So do you think that the artist like realizes that that sound, when they're creating certain music, that's kind of the sound that maybe is meant for them. And, of course, you can always change, but... Well, of course, by, like, experimenting, you find the sound that you resonate with. But I think what I was uh, trying to say more so is that, like, if you're just trying to write the best song ever, then you end up replicating other people's sounds. True. Because you look at what's big, and you try and write something like that. Okay. Um, Rather than just taking the time to experiment and make mistakes and actually stumble upon and take the time to you literally mistake your way to finding the success of that specific sound that is like your own genuine sound that you resonate with so you don't get to finding your own sound by just trying to make just by trying to make the best song ever you know you you get to your own sound by by being okay with making mistakes and experimenting there is power in the collective, and when we exercise that power, we have the ability to create and change great things, and 2020 has been such a tough year for all of us, you know, and yeah, we've been pushing on and doing the best with what we have, and a lot has changed as this has continued to drag on. Now is the time more than ever that we almost have a responsibility to exercise the power of the collective and understand that we have a duty and a responsibility to stand up for what we believe in and to stay vigilant and ask questions and think for ourselves. Just really think beyond what is just right here to ask questions and... Uh, yeah, and like what we're being told. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need to think, and we have a lot of work. We have things that need to be fixed, and I think that uh, a lot of people feel really helpless when they approach that, and I think that uh, there's actually way more energy and power here in the collective than what people think. I love that you said that, and I think that for some of us who feel a certain way about certain types of things and maybe question the information that we're always being fed, feel a little hesitant to speak out against it because 
it feels like the people that believe so much into what they're being fed come at you so hard and that can keep us from kind of being silent, you know, but exactly what you said, there's never been a better time for us to be a collective. And I think 2020 has been a great year in some ways. It's been really hard. The one thing that I will say that I'm a little, I guess, like fed up with overall is just the feeling that I do feel afraid sometimes to voice my opinion because I just know that somebody who doesn't feel the same way will come at me. And that's fine because we are all not meant to think the same. We were never meant to all think the same. We were all never meant to be the same, but it's, I don't know what it is. It's just this time that we're living in where we're all who we are supposed to be. And we're also vocal maybe about like our lives and whoever isn't thinking the same way you are or living the same way you are, they want to come at you with the way that they feel. And that's fine. I'm always open to have a great, meaningful conversation, but it doesn't really feel like that's the way a lot of this year has been. It just has felt very loud where everybody just wants to say what they want to say. And like, the energy has been a bit neurotic for right. sure. Like, I just hope that, I don't know if this can ever happen, but I honestly journal about it. I pray about it. Think about it. I hope that as a collective, we can come to a place where we all realize, and even myself, I have moments too, where I have to bring myself back. And I'm like, they're not meant to think the same way I am meant to think, but I'm all for people who are way more open-minded about it. It's more so when people come at you in kind of a cutthroat way where they almost just want to spit facts at you from what side they're coming from you know and that's where I think I can get a little turned off because it just doesn't feel like a very open conversation and I think yes you're nailing it don't succumb Mm -hmm. to the sides we're all on the same side dude (laughs) like let's just figure it out together let's figure it out right you feel me I just want to all be hard like I really I generally want that so bad my heart aches for us all to be together. And again, that doesn't mean together as we all think the same, we all do the same. It's just respecting each other because I just think that's something we've really lost and I really fucking hope that we can get it back some way, somehow. All right, so I just want to say that at this point, it has also become so obvious when you look at... There's just so much conflicting information and conflicting like, approaches to just, like, the evolution of this, like, coronavirus and, like, how, like, we're navigating this as, like, a collective. And even with, like, the whole going to restaurants, like, we've talked about, you know, you have to wear a mask when you go in the restaurant, but then you can sit down at the table with up to 10 people without a mask on, and then you're fine, dude. Don't worry about, like, you can't catch the coronavirus sitting down, but when you're standing up, like, you better wear a mask because you care about saving lives, right? Yeah, it becomes about it's you don't respect anybody else if you feel differently about the rules, which is couldn't be further from the truth. So we just it's need just, to ask questions because it really alludes to the idea that like, sense. are the people writing the laws or these rules actually trying to stop this? Right. So yeah, so that's that. But we're gonna we'll pull through. We'll pull through. We're gonna pull through. I think we're all here for a reason, and like to be alive at this point in history is important and I think the fact that we are still so young and a part of like what's going on I hope that over time our generation can kind of like 
change the course of what history has shown us. And I don't know. I'm I'm staying positive, man. I agree, Miss Steen. Us three, we're a unit. We're staying positive out here. <laughs> here we let's, go. Let's keep Plus the focus going. Plus signs only. Just want to say thank you so much to One Cute Drink for having me on. Thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning into this transmission of the first ever Lucid Vision podcast appearance. Dalton, thank you so much for coming on. And wrapping up, if you want to plug all of the ways that listeners can get a hold of you, follow you. Any upcoming projects. Let's plug this shit. Ladies, <laughs> I thank you, girls. So if you are out there listening, thank you. And please be sure to check out Lucid Vision on Spotify, SoundCloud. I do have a remix coming out on the Manic Focus remix album on September 25th. That is sure to be a banger. If you haven't listened yet, please listen to the Matty O'Neill remix that I put out last week. Tons of great content. And... I do have the upcoming album scheduled for late 2020, probably in December. It's going to be called Still Dreaming because we are still at it. Not giving up. We're still dreaming out here, (laughs) y'all. Looking forward to all of that. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for joining us in a conversation today and having... A couple cute drinks with us. A couple cute drinks. So nice. <laughs> and as always, you can find us on Instagram at one cute drink. At music with Mal. At Christine underscore moi. At Lucid Vision. Music. Mwah. Mwah. Bye. Mwah. Bye. <laughs>